0: Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski. Thanks so much for joining us on episode number 68 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today's guest has already done it all in the poker world, and he's still just 33 years old. He was first a legendary figure from the online poker days of rail heaven, winning millions of dollars in the biggest games ever seen. He then transitioned to the live world, where he's earned over $4.3 million in tournament earnings, plus five WSOP bracelets, the most recent of which came just a few weeks ago. He's a longtime poker coach and also a family man and a proud girl dad. Brian Hastings, welcome to the Cards Chat Podcast.
1: Thanks, Abby. Thanks for having me.
0: Cool. It's good to see you. Uh, And it's really cool. It's fun. Uh, You know, I was like, I remember you from the rail day, you know, the rail heaven days. And oh, my God, Brian Hastings, it's cool to to get to, you know, be able to speak to you in this format and do a full-on interview. Uh, we've met each other in person also just a few weeks ago. We'll touch upon that. Um, but it's really nice uh, to get to know you. And that's also sort of my thing is like, I feel like I've known you for years and years, 33 years old, man. Like, I feel like you've been around forever. You know, it's just um, it's just kind of incredible. Um, people kind of know about you from those early days, uh, the high stakes online games, um, the highest ones really that have ever been around from like mid to late two thousands. So, I mean, you didn't start out playing in those super nosebleed games. You must've started out somewhere lower than that on the totem pole. Can you tell us, you know, where, where you began your poker career?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it's funny. You mentioned like railing those games. Cause I mean, before I played in those games, I was also the guy logging on to watch them. Okay. Um, but yeah. So I started out, Basically, you know, moneymaker poker boom in 2003. Poker on TV started becoming a thing. I was in high school at the time. Uh, right. Maybe like a freshman or sophomore in 2003, depending on what time. it. Um, anyway, um, started playing just little, you know, home games with my friends, just like $5 tournaments and such at, some, at whoever's house, that kind of thing. Then I had a math teacher, my junior and senior year of high school, um, who told us he played online poker and one day he told me and some other friends that he had made more money playing online than teaching the previous year. And I was like, Whoa, wait, you can do that. That's crazy. Well, so had such
0: a great bond with your math teacher at
1: that age. Yeah. We still talk actually. I, I, I just texted him a, a few weeks ago and, uh, yeah, he came up in some other interview. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so basically that's what motivated me to want to play online. Of course, I was in high school, but right. luckily my my friend uh, was able to deposit some money online with his mom's credit card and he's transferred <laughs> money, and that's how I got started. Wild, um,
0: wild, wild west days. <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, what is it? I mean, you saw it on TV, you know, you know, we all a lot of us, so many of us that came into poker at that time, you know. You weren't able, you know, at under 21, you weren't able to go to Vegas yet and, and you know, chase that glory with the bricks in your hand like Moneymaker did. So what is it that you were kind of hoping
1: for when you saw that type of success? What enchanted you about the game? Um, well, I mean, I guess at first, yeah, I mean, I definitely watched all the like stuff on TV and thought that was really cool. But yeah, it was like sort of like in the distance, I guess. But then when I started getting online, um, so the first that first deposit was on a Ultimate Bet. And then I would like notice like the high six games going on there. Like, you know, like my teacher I was talking about was playing like 510 No Limit or so. No limit. Wow. Uh, That's pretty then, high already. But then it's not like the really big games. I was like, whoa, who's playing 50, 100? That's crazy. And like, right. so then I would start like watching some of those games while I was like playing my, you know, I, was, I started out playing $10 buy in games. So like 5 yeah. cent, 10 cent uh, No Limit. And then, and you know some like five dollars sit and goes and that kind of thing so mm-hmm. but on the side i would watch the big games and that was kind of like a goal to like you know just kind of at least i don't know if i ever thought i could get there but just kind of keep improving and seeing how good i could get but, so you ascended like pretty darn rapidly i guess
0: would say within the space of three years was it less than that to, to the high stakes games
1: yeah i'd say about maybe like two years or so okay um I think, like, the first, like, six months or so I played on Ultimate Bet, I, like, pretty much just broke even. And, like, you know, I had some where I'd run it up to, like, a few hundred dollars and then back down and so on and so forth. Yeah. And then I remember I had a tournament score where I won I won a $10 tournament for, like, 3000 And that was, like, a huge bankroll boost at the time. Yeah. And then that helped me, like, kind of start ascending the cash game stakes a little bit faster. Right. Um, and then I remember just, I just went on a big run where, like, I just, you know, would move up to the next stake, like, every couple months or so, like, right. you know, one, two to two, four to five, 10, like just keep going and going. And yeah. <laughs> it's kind of just how it went. Well, I
0: mean, the games were very different back then. The skill levels were <laughs> very different
1: back then. and uh, you, know,
0: you, you don't need me to tell you that, obviously, but, you know, 15 years later, we're a lot wiser, you know, just as far as so many players having so much access to, to poker training and to get better. The learning curve is so steep. You know, it's like, I'm wondering, again, you progressed through those stakes, yes, you ran well, but is that even possible, that type of a, of a run good, you know, progressing through the stakes so swiftly in two years in today's, you know, poker scene, or is that just, you know, luck of the timing, you know?
1: I don't think it's really possible at the, the rate, you know, as quickly as I did it, I, I would think that's nearly impossible to, to, like, rise up from, like, you know, a small amount of money and just go rise up stakes that fast Mm -hmm. but it is possible to do it i mean it just you know the win rates aren't going to be as high so it's going to take more volume and more time and more and more work and everything but but it's i do think you know you still still you still do see people doing it today i mean you know like someone like landon tice has obviously been visible recently as like a young young guy who kind of came did the come up so and there's there's many more out there too but Yeah. yeah definitely the game has changed a lot so yeah like exactly what i did then was not entirely replicable replicable now but yeah it is you know still possible to make
0: your way up one one of the things we did then it's just you know you can't help but mention it uh you kicked Victor Bloms butt you know 4.2 million dollars uh, in a single session this was you know, again, I, I remember those days where you know Victor Blanc maybe he's not talked about so much now, but in those days it was Isildur, who was this guy who was you know destroying Ivy and Antonius and, and, and Dwan of these pots It's like you know the mystery man then all of a sudden he gets chopped down and in just like an unimaginable way. I mean, even today, you know, 15 years later, 4.2 million dollars is a lot of money um, maybe it happens in, you know, like the private games that we don't get to know about with like the, you know, the super duper billionaires of the world, but that is just massive. Um, you know, how do you look back upon that, you know, all these years
1: later? Um, it's funny. Cause I, I think, I mean, you know, it was, it was definitely like, a, a, I'm definitely like glad it happened. Let's get that out of way. Yeah, but I feel like most of the time I'm asked about it, it's just kind of like, a, Oh, like that's, that's what someone knows me for. And like, you know i feel like my i feel like i'm so much more than that <laughs> sure. so so yeah like kind of I'd, I'd say my initial reaction whenever anybody brings it up is usually a little bit of like hesitation like "Oh, i really got to talk about this again but, but but no i do realize just how you know just one of a kind of a thing it was and a lot just a lot of stars had to align for it to happen that way um i mean so. it, like you said it's difficult a kind of difficult thing to replicate i can't think of any other examples of any other players doing anything like that that's why and i imagine yeah it. no like it, yeah <laughs> i mean there's there's nothing really like it today i mean i know there's some big games going on in, like gg poker and stuff but mm-hmm. just yeah i mean it's, it's not the same and certainly like heads up was a bigger thing back then too yeah like i mean i mean you know there, there are still some heads up matches that are going but but i mean I, I think in the recent past they've tended to be more like organized matches like the galvan challenge and so yeah But, but back then, I mean, people would just go on and battle heads up and like battle with other good players. like, that's not really a thing that happens too much anymore. There's a little bit, but back then it was like a lot of it. (laughs) And yeah. You miss those, those back then times. You kind of wish you could
0: go back to any, I mean, anything in particular, like I wish that was still a thing.
1: Um, I mean, I definitely, those days of online poker were certainly a ton of fun. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I love that, that part of just like, you know, competing at high stakes and, battling against everyone and just kind of, it was more, you know, the game was a lot less solved. So it's, you know, strategically it was just different in that way. And it's it's just funny to look back and think about how, like, how much I didn't know that. And even though I was like, definitely, I think definitely at the time I was one of the very best heads up PLO players, but even like looking back now, like I would get destroyed by like anybody today who's playing like stakes as a PLO probably.
0: <laughs>
1: huh. well, that's fair. Well, you know, one, uh, one of the things,
0: uh, you know, also <laughs> there's those back, then days, 15 years ago, uh, you know, 11, 12 years ago, you're kind of in a different place, you know, professionally and even personally uh, right now, you know, basically you kind of you almost like flip the switch. You had admitted, uh, you know, after Black Friday, that there were, you know, some mistakes that you had made uh, as far as playing and, you know, good on you, you know, you can't uh, just, put a person's mistakes and, you know, they got a, a scarlet letter for the rest of their lives. You've rehabilitated yourself personally, uh you know, not just as an image thing to look good, but you genuinely are a very different person. And you have attributed that very publicly to, you know, meeting your now wife, Son- Sonia, I'm pronouncing it right, Sonia. Um, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about that sort of time, you know, whatever sort of internal turmoil you may have been going through and how you sort of worked yourself out of it, you know, I guess with Sonya's help.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, I've definitely grown up a lot since then. Like, yeah, like certainly that like poker part of like my early, you know, late, late teens, early twenties was like very fun and exciting, but like I was kind of a mess in other areas, honestly. And um, yeah, it was just the balance wasn't really there. And like, I mean like socially there was like struggles like you know I think I s- spent a lot of my free time like trying to get good at a game where like my friends were out socializing and like probably that like you know showed up and uh yeah I mean I just had a lot of like issues with like self-confidence and self-esteem back then too so um yeah I just you know I feel great about where I've gotten to now and certainly Sonia's been instrumental in helping me to like grow up because <laughs> yeah I do think I was kind of like a big kid for a lot of my like my early 20s and Maybe that's not that uncommon, but yeah, I mean, I just feel like a completely different person now pretty much. And she oh. has been very helpful in just like, you know, all other kinds of stuff I've done for like personal growth and just like working on maintaining life balance. And certainly, I mean, having a, a kid is a quick way to grow up in a hurry. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Well,
0: part of the reason I ask, you know, we don't like to, you know, reflect, Oh, I, I did those bad things then, but it's more of like with, life experience comes wisdom. And that's the type of thing that we're able to impart to people now, perhaps who, you know, they see you in on TV, and they get enchanted, and I want to go ahead and get into it. And I'm just, you know, 21 years old and starting to get into. So from your experience, from the transformation you experienced, are there any sort of tips uh or or things that you could impart you know with this life experience to players who are just getting into it you know maybe some do's and don'ts that would perhaps uh give them a leg up and, and help them along the way
1: um it's really tough because in a way like i think the fact that i like you know went so hard with poker is what helped me to become the, the like as good of a player as i was back then but but also like i think it inhibited me in other areas of life so it's really hard to find that sweet spot of like you know just being putting enough effort into the poker part while still growing as a person in other ways at the same time. And I think, you know, for me, I had to like play catch up, but, but also if I, you know, if, if I didn't put that time in, in poker back then, I don't know if I ever would have like gotten good enough at it to like, think of it as a career path or what. So it's challenging, yeah. but certainly now, I mean, yeah, I think what's working for me now is just having different areas of my life that I can like hang my hat on. Whereas like for a while, I think poker was kind of the one thing that I could look at and be like, yeah, I'm good at that. Like, that's a a source of pride for me. But like, you know, now just having other hats, like, you know, being a husband and a father and having like, you know, hobbies that I care about or like volunteering is something that I've done some of that I think is really meaningful and like, you know, something I could take pride in. So, yeah, I think it's just important to, you know, and especially helpful during downswings because if you're, you know, if you're putting all your mental energy into poker and then it's not going well, that's like. I think, in my experience, that's an easy way for you know, it's really mess with your head and cause you to get in a mental funk. But if you have other areas of your life that you can, you know, be like, okay, poker's not going well, but you know, this this is great, this is great, like a lot more healthy for mental health. That's good, and then, and of course, you know, mental
0: health is so important. I didn't know about uh, volunteering. You know, care to share a little bit more? You know, types of things that that you
1: do and, and devote your time to. Um, so that, that hasn't really been recently. I mean, more, more recently at the family time has kind of like taken up that, but I mean, when, when, when we were in Fort Lauderdale, especially before, uh, having a kid, we did like pretty regularly do a, There was like a Friday night, like food serve for the homeless that we would go volunteer at. So that was, that was the main thing, but also occasionally just like some other community events, like beach cleanups and that, that kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, I think, volunteering is really cool it's a way to make a difference it's a way to meet people too it's like I know I talk to a lot of people who are like oh how do I make friends or how do I find someone someone who could be a partner I think volunteering is great for those things too as well as just like actually doing good stuff and like really making a difference.
0: I I love it (laughs) very cool good good recommendations there and uh I think you know I think that certainly answers the question of type of tips how to find that sort of balance even when choosing you know, to really dig into it and, and, and try to succeed at poker, there's a lot of other things. Uh, and like you said, to hang your hat on uh, and to anchor you down. Um, okay. Um, how do I phrase this question? Okay. So you said, you know, of course, the Victor Blonde thing, you're known for that. Obviously you're known for so much more now. You've accomplished so much more in the tournament realm, all the bracelets and stuff. You had kind of a, a ridiculous run at the WSOP in 2015 almost one player of the year. You had two bracelets um, and, you know, those who followed your career, they could see the difference in you. You know, there was just a a personal happiness, kind of like, I don't know, like uh, something's lifted you up a little bit more. And again, that's, I think, around the time that you had met Sonia. Um, To what, and we talk about, you know, saying like being a good, in a good frame of mind, you can go ahead and know all the math and, you know, know all the tells and have practiced so much, but um, mental game is a very good thing. And I think clearly there's a connection between happiness and, you know, performance, you know, even if the results don't necessarily go well, you can only, you know, look back, did I perform as well as I could? Um, could you tell us perhaps, you know, how you sort of experienced that? Because again, you were phenomenally successful before that time, and yet there was something else that, that you know, kind of carried and, and catapulted you. Um, and I think it was that, I think it was that happiness, you know, can you tell us about that?
1: Um, yeah. So yeah. So I did start uh, dating Sonya in late 2014. So 2015 was, you know, World Series was say six months after we started, um, and I was very happy then. But I mean, I will. Also, I do also want to just share that I am bipolar, and I would say that year I was also toward the higher end of that spectrum too. So while I was happy, I think there were some unhealthy things going on there, too. And I'm happy that, in the, you know, in the last few years, I've, I feel like I've gotten to a nice, balanced place there. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, 2015, I mean, it, it, it was actually good for performance. I mean, I think, you know, I would call it hypomania, the state I was in. Wow. Um, and, I, yeah, I mean, I think even if you look at legislative, uh, what's it called? <laughs> if you if you read about hypomania like you know it will say that like it can be good for performance even so like i mean that state does tend to give focus to whatever you're doing but yeah it's also not really sustainable and there's like some other downsides too um but yeah so generally (laughs) um i do think you know mental health is very important in poker and just like the whole mental game um I know there are some great mental coaches in the poker world i haven't done any one-on-one training with any of them but i know i read a mental game of poker by jared Tindler and thought it was really good and um yeah i mean i've heard of a number of other great works but yeah just in general i think mental game is probably underrated by some people and i think something that everybody should be paying attention to um in in addition to just working on you know the actual gameplay of poker and strategy and doing work in
0: the lab and all that. Sure. Okay. Well, you did mention Jared Tanvers, so I kind of feel obligated, uh, you know, that's what's episode 35 here on the Cards Jack Podcast. If anyone wants to go ahead and listen to that one, that was a really fun listen as well. And, you know, of course this is episode 68. Uh, lots of good listening for you guys after you finish this episode of, uh, you know, if uh, you're looking for something else to fill the time while driving or, you know, training or walking or whatever it is. Um, And one other thing I want to ask you, you know, you come into us from Florida. You've lived there for a while. It's a big hotbed of poker activity these days. Um, Do you have a a favorite place to play in the state? And, okay, so I'll ask that part one first. Is there a favorite, you know, Florida poker venue for you?
1: I mean, I have to go with the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood. Um, I lived 20 minutes away for quite a while, Mm -hmm. living in the Jacksonville area now, but I still try to make it down for all their big series and, I'll be there in ten days for some of the uh, Lucky Hearts Poker Open down nice. there. I'm excited for that. Down yeah, um, to the WPT, because, yeah, right? <laughs> January 20th is when I'm heading down. Ah, so. uh-huh. okay, cool, very cool. I'm
0: that WPT title. Uh, well, besides poker, and you, know, you mentioned that that balance, you know, you've got, like I said, married plus one. Um, do you have time to do any sort of other extra sort of extracurricular activities some, some you time, uh, any other hobbies that you engage in? <laughs> not, not much. That's
1: okay. Something. That's fair. I mean, I've, I've always liked to read. Netflix can be a hobby. In my free time, like I try to, you know, just read, read some stuff. I haven't been on any books recently, but I do, I do like to go through some books. Um, uh, and recently though my thing in, in lieu of that has been, uh, I've been binging a podcast season on the French revolution. So that's been pretty fascinating. So, but yeah, like All I mean, for those maybe interested, but, uh, it's called, the podcast is called revolutions. So, okay, cool. Um, but, uh, if, uh, but yeah, for the most part though, family time and poker takes up a very large chunk of my time. I do. I mean, I like, I still like watching sports. I, I watch, uh, the NBA is my favorite league. I watch a lot of NBA, but some other stuff too. Um, but yeah, then, uh, other than that, it's a lot of uh, family and poker. I'd say that's that's fair and it's good. That definitely provides that
0: balance. And I, I you know, I, I'm a family man as well. I've got three kids, and uh, I know it definitely helps keep you grounded. You're like doing those non-poker related activities, but with a wife and child, wife and children, it's definitely helps, you know, keep you, you know, normal. It'll be beyond, beyond being a poker. Yeah.
1: It's really, it's really like caused me to just kind of think about what I, what like how to prioritize my time and like what really matters to me. And just like, you know, so there's like some things that like I used to do, but I'm like, just, uh, like, you know, if I have, if I have like, you know, three hours of free time in a day, which is actually probably higher than it is really if you think <laughs> I'm poker. Um, yeah. Like, how do I want to spend that time? Mm. And so, yeah, you know, it's really it caused me to really just to reevaluate. my reevaluate my priorities i do like to play tennis but it's been a while i need to get back out there we did just move here in may and it's been you know i haven't really found like a good regular like partner to play with or anything so i think that's kind of inhibited that plus it's also we're in the suburbs so it's just too you know a further drive like back in fort lauderdale i could drive five, 10 minutes and be at the court and just you know here it's more like 30 so, so where in florida are you now we're in the J- Jacksonville
0: area, just okay. south of Jacksonville and St. John's County. Okay. So anyone out there in the Jacksonville area, Brian's looking yeah. for a tennis partner. Yeah, hit, yeah. hit him up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Well, in poker, we talk a lot about uh, changing gears. Uh, and to a very large degree, that is something that you had to do after Black Friday, changing from online to live playing. Um, you did so with a lot of success. It didn't take you long. You finished. I got some results here, just looking to end them up. Uh, second in the 5K heads up at EPT Madrid for 68K. Uh, you won the WPT in Hollywood, Florida for 213K. Eighth in the WSOP Europe, uh, 10K mixed hold'em. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Was it you know, Was it just sort of easy and natural for you? Or were there other sort of hurdles you had to, uh, I don't know, um, overcome as you became, you know, the live player you currently are today?
1: Um, I don't I mean, at least by that point, I think, like, I was comfortable playing live because I think, you know, I turned 21 in the summer of 2009, mm-hmm. so that's when I, like, made my, like, World Series debut, mm-hmm. and, like, definitely at first, like, yeah, I wasn't very good live. I was It was just weird to adjust to the pace of play and, like, you know, just the whole different atmosphere and everything, right. so, yeah, I think I'd like a considerable amount also. of World Series tournaments before <laughs> cashing any, um, but once I got, once yeah, once I got comfortable, though, like, you know, I, I, I think I... I just felt comfortable and it didn't feel much different switching back and forth between online and live. I did also after black Friday uh, move to Vancouver for three months and get set up online up there. And I was playing online pretty regularly, but that, that trip to Europe or the one of the trips to Europe anyway, was kind of right in the middle of that three month Vancouver stay. So that was when I played uh, like world series, Europe and con and all that. Um, But yeah, um, I, yes, I still played a decent amount of online then. But then, yeah, I was, I was only there for three months. Actually was struggling with mental health. And the, the other end of the spectrum was depression after that. Yeah. Just uh, moved, moved back, just kind of took it easy for a few months. And then I think it was the following summer that I like won that tournament in Florida, I think. And I also I believe I also won a bracelet that following summer in the yep. 10K Heads Up. Yep. That,
0: yeah, that is uh, my next question, actually, about the bracelets. <laughs> um, you win your first bracelet, 10K Heads Up after being, you know, renowned as the online heads-up specialist, did that kind of feel, I don't know, like uh, in the stars, as it were, of like, you know, extra special that it was in that event that you won your bracelet?
1: Um, well, definitely at that point, I was more playing like heads-up PLO online. So uh, like I, I had been, you know, I had played a decent amount of heads-up No Limit, like years before that, but by that time, it wasn't, I wasn't doing so much of that. So a little bit, but yeah. So it wasn't like, you know if it was a heads up PLO tournament like yes it would have felt like mm-hmm. totally oh yeah this is my event but okay has that no limit like you know i felt like i could hang but like <laughs> certainly there are some tough players in that field who i think were probably favorites against me uh-huh. so run good yeah okay <laughs> well, i like I the no, 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 no like i mean like if, uh, i think i was probably like doing fine in the field overall but like uh-huh. not like the best player in the field or anything
0: okay that's that's fair you know variants can can work in in numerous ways and then you go ahead and and become a mixed game beast. Uh, You know, (laughs) you you, you rattle off four bracelets over the next few years, um, including this fall, you know, the 10K stud, eight or better. uh, It's all come in mixed games. Um, How did you sort of get started in mixed games and what enticed you to sort of make that move from
1: No Limit to PLO to I play everything now? I mean, really at the beginning, it was just like, again, looking at the lobbies of online poker sites and being like, Oh, there are some big games going, this looks interesting. And then like, you know, being like, Oh, I play, I play with these guys in this other game and like I could beat them at that. So I should learn how to play this. Like it wasn't really, like, I don't, yeah, that's pretty much all it was. And okay. certainly at first, I think I like dove in a little bit too fast to some of like the bigger cash games and paid the price for that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it did help me certainly learn pretty fast
0: <laughs> Okay. Well, is, is that, I mean, there aren't nearly as many resources as far as like book learning or poker training sites or things like that for mixed games. You just kind of have to like take your lumps and, you know, learn fire, you know uh, what's it called? Um, you know, learn, learn through going uh, through the fire, that kind of a thing.
1: Oh yeah. Just kind of. Um, yeah. I know, I know you're titled by fire. Like, <laughs> put your feet right in the fire. Or, yeah, exactly. Um... <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah i will i will plug a few resources here for mixed games okay. um propokertools.com has been always very helpful to me it's just like a, a simple free tool for running equity calculations you know you can do hand versus range or range versus range has supports pretty much every well i think i think they don't have draw still but like like every stud game every omaha game so helpful and then also uh, dylan lynn's book mastering mixed games um I actually read a few chapters this summer or this uh, past World Series just for like little refreshers before uh, playing a few events, and I thought it was helpful in terms of that. So nice. certainly think it could help a lot of people who are especially just like new to mixed games and yeah, or just need a refresher like me. Cool. <laughs> well,
0: Dylan uh, Lindy got to mention also he was episode number 49. Uh so go ahead and check that one out. Also, Wonderful Guy, uh great book by D B Poker. Um, do you have a, a
1: favorite mixed game that you enjoy playing? Um I've always I mean I always enjoy playing Deuce of Seven Triple Jaw for one. Just it's like a fun game. It's just like, you know, a lot of just like kind of gamble. They're like there's, there is there is certainly plenty of strategy behind it but also just a lot of, like, run good in the moment, like, you know, short-term, like, just try to run, sun run. Um, I, I like the stud games a lot, too, though. Um, stud, stud High has always, like, kind of stood out as, like, a favorite for me just because I think a lot of other people just, like, don't really like it. But, and like, it's, it's, it's like, sort of known as, like, an old-timers game. But, like, yeah. I think there's a lot more to it than a lot of people see or, like, you know, I think, yeah, just, like, I think a lot, a lot that you can do that, like, kind of, is not with the conventional old, old school wisdom with stud high, but actually performs really well. Um, but I like the, I like all the stud games though also. I, why, why should
0: someone who has only played no limit until now, you know, be they 21 or 31 or 41 years old. Um, why should they get more into mixed games, try the studs, the draws and, and all that stuff.
1: Um, I mean, I guess it just depends on what your goals are. Like, I mean, for some people it might not be the best move because yeah, like, at the current moment there's not as many places to play really so i guess it just depends you know where you are and what what, what games you have access to but um so yeah like personally for me i've kind of circled back and like gotten a lot back more to no limit over the last couple years for that reason it's like um just you know i know there are no limit games and tournaments all over the place so whatever i'm working on i can put in the practice whereas for mixed games you know there's not like even if i want to play mixed games it's not always a mixed game to to play so right um that said it is a lot of fun certainly if you find the right mixed game it's i mean like playing live mix is some of the most fun i've ever had playing poker i would say just because it's like really social it's like laid back you know it's not too intense it's like because nobody's getting stacked and like you know it's just you know the hands aren't too deadly like, for anyone Usually not. <laughs> <laughs> well not in one hand like you know right. over the course of like 10 hands right right <laughs> but yeah there's just not these like giant pots that are like kind of you know like no limit games could feel like pretty intense i think sometimes at least at at least at relatively higher stakes right sometimes at lower stakes too but uh yeah for mixed games like you know you could be playing a pretty sizable mixed game and still just a lot of table talk and trash talk. And it's just like, it's just like a diff- different, like fun atmosphere and like sort of like a little fraternity of sorts of like mixed game players. Cause you know, there's not that, not as many out there. And like, there's like some kind of like bond there I'd say. Nice
0: and i would i would even go so far as to say and i will toot my own horn on this uh we had the Mixed game festival low stakes you know four eight dealer's choice that's yeah. why i said why well, i meant that to meet you you were kind enough to come i mean this and obrien hastings was busy winning bracelets came and stopped by the west gate uh, a few weeks ago to just you know splash around have a little bit of fun uh, during the world series um how important is it to you that players have additional options besides just, you know, playing bracelet events. I mean, everyone's in, in Vegas, you know, during the World Series of Poker. You know, I, what I tried to do there is also, you know, just give, you know, give it to low stakes players and, you know, have something for them as well. We had a platinum pass, that sort of thing. But, you know, to, to, in your opinion, do you think it's important that there be, you know, a whole variety of options for all different types of poker players you know, during the World Series or during the entire year? Or should it be, you know, much more focused like it currently is?
1: Um, I I mean, I'm all for more options for for everyone. I I thought the festival was really cool. I had a lot of fun coming by for a few hours and and playing Mm -hmm. was very enjoyable. Thanks. I forget what was that one game called? That one, the one game we we played in the next week was, was so fun. I don't remember the name. They had right a it. Uh,
0: three, two, one Omaha
1: Jack 7, seven, seven. Omaha Jack. Omaha Oma Jack. Jack a, <laughs> okay. Yeah, very fun game. It's a half um, Omaha but,
0: high, half blackjack
1: for anyone who's interested. <laughs> yeah, it was like actually a really interesting like strategy game. I thought, and, uh-huh. um, and also fun and gambling. Yeah, um, that was a really good game. But, uh, yeah, no, I like the idea of having stuff available for everyone. I mean, for one thing, not everyone has the time to play tournaments. Like, it just mm-hmm. is what it is. Like, the people are busy. Like, tournaments take, you know, most of the day and for a few days, usually. Right. I mean, a lot of the bracelet events are three- and four-day tournaments. So, yeah, I mean, just not everybody can do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think having a healthy cash game economy in general, just having a variety of options just good for poker all around. And, you know, I mean, I know just personally, like I used to, I really, one thing I really do miss about the old days of online poker is like on a given day, I could be like, Oh, I want to play no limit today. And I could just do that. Or like, I want to play, you know, stud or just eight game or tournaments, whatever, like, just, you know, just no shortage of options. And like, I mean, that was just really cool. I've always liked just being able to like kind of change it up and, you know, kind of help me as like stay mentally sharp and fresh. So, um, yeah, and what variety is better? And, and different people just have different preferences and, you know, different games they like, so...
0: Hopefully, uh, you know, the vendors, the operators will uh, will heed that uh, advice. And it's good to have uh, something for everybody. I I concur uh, with your opinion. Um, You know, I said you came uh, over from the Rio. Uh, We all know it will not be at the Rio anymore. WSOP is moving to Bally's to Paris next year. Uh, Let's uh, let's uh, have Mr. Brian Hastings say goodbye to the Rio. What sort of uh, favorite memories do you perhaps have uh, from your time there, from your successes there over the years?
1: I mean, obviously for me, the bracelet wins really stand out, but, but also there was one series, um, <coughs> I'm trying to, I don't even think I was, wait, maybe, <coughs> sorry, maybe I was 21 then. I, I don't know, but I remember I had two friends who both got like top 30 of the main event and I had like considerable pieces of, in the main nice. event. in <laughs> so that was really fun. Like, I, I think, I, I think I was old enough to, I think I played that year, but it was like, a, it was right around when I turned 21, I think. And, yeah, just, like, going to, like, sweat them in, like, the final 100 was, like, so much fun. And so that that, that also uh, stands out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was really weird, like, saying goodbye to the Rio. I, like, I, the last day I was there, I, like, took some pictures. It was just, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was, like, you know, kind of a weird, like, emotional thing. Because, like, yeah, I've been co- I, I mean, I, I even went went there to just, like, watch friends play before I was 21 even. So, right. um, yeah, it's been a while that's cool okay anything in particular you're looking
0: forward to uh at the next uh, wsop on the
1: stream um i mean i'm cautiously optimistic i guess i just i hope you know i hope the execution works out i don't know that much about the facilities of, i mean i think i read like one article about just like a little tour but like you know i, I do think the parking at the rio was a huge asset and i'm yeah. curious to see how that plays out um yeah, i mean i know personally like most most uh World Series. I have stayed in like an off strip rental and rented a car and driven. So I might not this year just because of this. Like I right. might, might just change it up and be like, oh, it's actually easier to stay on the strip and walk or something. Right? Like, huh? Well, I guess. Uh, we'll yeah, see the how parking could be them. the challenge, but we'll see. Right. All right. We'll hopefully, talk. they. I mean, I'm sure they are aware of this, and hopefully, they have a plan for it.
0: Right okay yeah well, that's true and uh well, just like anything when people um you know change how they play against you at the poker table you got to make the appropriate adjustments so uh perhaps that adjustment is you know a little bit more walking maybe take the monorail uh, and we'll see a little bit more of that uh at the, <laughs> morning, the monorail so. once or twice yeah Yeah, it's it's fun. Look, it's not, uh, you know, not like the Disneyland monorail or anything like that, but it's okay. It's okay.
1: Um, I've taken the Disney Disney monorail many times, yeah. Right, (laughs) that
0: one's a fun one. Um, You've been, uh, we talked uh, a little bit about uh, coaching and and training, studying, getting in the lab. Uh, You've been into that for quite a long time, not only now with Run It Once, uh, but even going back, you know, way back to the card runners days of the mid 2000s, um, you know, like I said, you know, every time Dick and Harry's, you know, doing something with the poker training site, uh, whether either involved in one or enrolled in, in taking a course, um, you know, we, we talked about how um, poker play has evolved over the last 15 years. How has poker training evolved? You know, you've been someone who's been present in that in that little sort of niche for quite a while
1: um i mean i'd say so yeah re- i started making videos for run at once in i believe september and i mean i'd say my main the main thing i've realized is just like you know just the quality of the training has just gone steadily up over the years so like i think i feel like now now i just have to spend quite a bit more time like preparing and actually having like a focused plan whereas with card runners i think a lot of the time i would just kind of pop on and be like okay yeah i'm gonna play a live session and just you know, just roll the tape and just comment. That's it. But with like, and you know, occasionally I will still do like a live play video, but like, I think those are fewer and fr- further between now. And I, I mean, like the most recent video I made was like a deep dive into like one pre-flop spot using Solver and like um, with wow. three different stack sizes and like running, I think I use like six different sims in the thing. So yeah, it's, it's come a long way in terms of like, yeah, I mean, there's just like so much quality content out there that I, I feel like I really need to like step it up and just, you know, make sure I, am heavily prepared and bringing my best you know bringing my a game and yeah so how many people say that as far as bringing their
0: a game when it comes to play and approaching the tables and you know you clearly attribute some importance to bringing your a game as a coach what do you enjoy about you know creating poker training materials and, and you know helping other players
1: get better um well i guess i just know for one thing it's benefited me a lot i mean i've always both on card runners and run at once before i started making videos for the sites i was a member i was i was a member of both sites from basically day one and i've watched a lot of poker training videos over the course of my life and i've benefited a lot from them and yeah i mean i I think it's cool to do some myself and i mean it's a fun challenge for me that kind of gets me a little bit out of my comfort zone too because you know for me like logging on and playing is like you know i mean it's it's not I'm not saying it's easy but it's, it's still it's still just like kind of what I'm used to it's enjoyable it's just like you know making videos enjoyable in a different way but like certainly requires a different kind of like focus and preparation that like you know and also I feel like it helps me learn too because like a lot of a lot of these videos I'll be making I'll be kind of learning learning while I'm teaching sort of which is sort of nice to be able to do both at once. Have the folks come up to you
0: or you know send you messages of like Hey, that thing you taught me really helped. Or you know, in a particular spot, because I watched your video, uh, you know, I was able to make you know the right decision. Has that ever happened?
1: Oh yeah, those those are really rewarding. Um, certainly, um, you know, I mean, obviously, since I made Carter's videos for a, a lot longer and a lot longer ago, I've certainly got plenty of those over the years where someone would come and say like, Hey, I, I learned how to play PLO from your videos. Like, thanks so much, like that kind of thing. And Yeah, it is pretty gratifying.
0: Good thing here. That's what, and all. You I imagine that's also something that helps. Uh, you know, keep light the fire, keep you going <laughs> beyond that personal thing that you're supposed to benefit from. Um, I like it. Very cool. Um, okay. I, I mentioned it. You know, not once, not twice, and I still like I can't help. And I, I remember when you told me. You know, you're just thirty three years old, when you told me in person. I was just like how it's just like, it's, it's incredible. And I I know I'm perhaps making a little bit too much for it uh, of it. I'm 40. I've been in poker also for quite a long time. You know, you've just achieved so damn much uh, and, and you're just 33, you know, so many people, you know, this dream, you know, when you're young, Oh, no, no, be rich and successful someday, retire on a beach yet. You come with hunger with, you know, with the fire, you know, you still want to win. What is it that kind of keeps that going for you? Why don't you just say, no, hey, I've done pretty well for myself. What keeps you motivated as a player to, you know, just keep on playing and succeeding?
1: Um, It's a really good question. Um, So for me, it really has always just kind of been about the journey, like the, Mm -hmm. you know, like the, it's not about the destination, it's the journey type thing. Like uh, it's always been like that for me. Like, and and when I first got into poker, like, well, I was definitely, you know, enticed by the fact that you can make a lot of money doing it i wasn't really it's not like i was really doing it like for the money it was i was never like of that like oh i want to retire by 30 or anything like that right. it was, okay it was it was always it, like i think at first especially at first because i was literally under 18 and i was like not cashing out <laughs> but it just felt like a video game i was just like trying to trying to make a new high scores you know it was just numbers on a screen i was like yeah, yeah i was like I, I didn't cash out until i was 18 so i was like afraid i was going to get confiscated or something (laughs) but uh yeah but yeah certainly that's like kind of just how i approached it and i was just you know i was just doing so well by that point that like yeah i mean at the you know at the time i was just starting to go to college like the people are my friends around me didn't have any money at all so like it was yeah i mean it just felt like i mean for, for a while i was like prior to cashing out, I was like card runners was paying me a thousand dollars a month to make videos and I would get those thousand dollar checks from card runners and that was like made me feel like wealthy because like that was so much more than like any of my friends had. <laughs> so. And that was real um, tangible like, money that you had in your hand. Yeah, right. That was right. that was actually like being like, money I could spend and stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, still now, like, I don't know. I've, I've just always been like really motivated by the game. Like I, I like games in general too. Like um, I'm a big fan of chess, for example, and I'd like you know, I've put a lot of effort into trying to get good at chess with mixed results, I would say. But like, you know, there's no like financial motivation there. It's just like kind of a fun challenge for me. Like, in a way, like poker is that too. Like, obviously, you know, money is part of the picture in poker too. But I've also just been motivated with the challenge of trying to be the best player I can be. And just, I, I really do enjoy like working on my game and studying and improving. So yeah, I think that I think it's really that just like keeps me going. Well,
0: the last question I've got for you, then, uh, before we go into the community questions. Well, Brian, you say it's not about the destination, but rather about the journey. Uh, I'm kind of wondering, you know, how do you hope that the journey looks uh, over the course of 2022?
1: Well, um, so we have a few fun family trips planned. Uh, Most notably, we're hoping to go to uh, France for Sonia's 35th birthday in May. So nothing booked yet, but we'll see how that goes. Um, also I have been focusing my poker study a lot on no limit tournaments and play it too online, but, uh, I do want to try to hit some good, uh, live no limit tournaments. So starting with this lucky hearts poker open at, uh, hard rock in January, um, definitely going to, uh, play some win tournaments in Vegas in March for that series. Okay. Um, maybe the one in Houston also that I just heard got announced uh, that same month. Um, Hard Rock has another good series always in April. I plan to be there. World Series, and then you know I haven't gotten farther, far enough to plan after that. We'll see. <laughs> okay, well, very cool. I, I wish you uh,
0: a lot of success. Uh, and however the journey does end up looking, uh, that you just enjoy the ride, uh, and that uh, wherever the you know the destination is, that it's a that it's a good one for you. Um, well, thank you. You answered uh, my questions, and, and now it's time. For the segment of the show we turn to you guys, our Cards Chat community to see what types of questions you wanted to ask our guests. Uh, we have a dedicated thread in the cards chat forms for this. So as we announce who our future guests will be, please be sure to send in your questions. And our first questions come to us from AcidburnFX, a regular contributor. Thank you so much for sending these in. Uh, Brian, uh, AcidburnFX wants to know, do you like to tell people that you're a professional poker player?
1: um i'd say on average no it depends who it is though but like <laughs> okay. um, for more times than not i would say no just because then you know it just invites the whole a like just kind of like, questions you know like the new questions like oh you know how to count cards and like all that mm-hmm. stuff it's just like you know whatever it's not a big deal but it's just like and eh, not again <laughs> yeah, yeah and then but also like you know even just like do I want my neighbors knowing that I like gamble for a living and might my money around the house? Like hmm. uh, entirely. So, you know, stuff like that, but yeah, for the most part, I'd say don't love it, but like, you know, it's, I, I also, I mean, I don't like lie or anything though. I just, I do tell them I'm happy to answer a few questions. Yeah. But I like that also, and it's was very
0: GTO response before when we asked, you know, where do you live now? You like Jacksonville. He doesn't live even in the state of Florida guys. So like, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Brian another question from acid Burn FX what is the craziest thing that you have ever purchased with your poker winnings
1: Ooh um I still like my first major purchase was uh I bought an Audi S4 when I was 18 years old and a college student so wow. that was yeah, that was fun rolling back into campus for uh I think I bought it I bought it during winter break. So just coming back in January with that was fun. Yeah. Um but uh let's see, craziest thing. I I, I can recall a few times at Bellagio going on like shopping sprees at like a Giorgio Armani there after like having a rough session, be like, you know what, like a little retail therapy. Um oh, wow, that's interesting. So I got a little out of hand buying some shoes and like suits and stuff, but
0: <laughs> I still have them though. That's an interesting one because it's not after you've won and splurging. It's a retail therapy. It's interesting. That good twist on the question. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Like I'm not a big shopper though in general. Like I just I don't know. I, yeah, it's just not. Really my th- well, I guess some of my more splurgy purchases would would be like going to like events like uh when the Toronto Raptors played the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals a few years ago. Oh nice. I just kind of yeah. spontaneously decided with a friend to buy buy tickets and plane tickets to fly to Toronto and go to game one. So there you go. That's that was, pretty cool. That's my kind of splurge.
0: <laughs> that's that's really ball experiences rather than things. I like but
1: it. But I, I won I won more money on the Raptors winning the finals than paid, <laughs> paid for the whole trip. So there you it's go. okay
0: win win wins. very cool um last question from acid burn fx a very creative one i like this one um suppose brian that you were given the chance to have a one minute ad spot during the super bowl and you could say anything you'd want but you were not able to make any profit from it
1: what would you say wow uh, that is a really interesting question <laughs> um Hmm. Wow.
0: That
1: is fascinating. We'll give, you, we'll give you a time bank chip here. This is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Time extension. <essential. laughs> um, yeah. Like what could I say that would make a difference? I mean, I guess it would be something poker related. Cause like, you know, even if I wasn't directly profiting, I mean, I think just like me as a poker player trying to do something that would help grow the game of poker would be cool. So I'm not sure exactly what that would encompass, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe even like just promoting like Dan Smith's like Double Up Drive or something would be cool because then it like shows that the poker world is doing good things, and also could it might help get more donations to good charities. So
0: awesome answer, love it. Push to the when it was back to the wall comes up with the you know swinging for the fences. <laughs> great stuff. Great great answer there. All
1: right, how many uh, time, time extensions do I have? you have one
0: <laughs> You're good. As as you need. Um, Antonis 32123 2, 2, thank you for sending in your questions uh, he wants to know um, Brian you already have five World Series of Poker bracelets do you have a particular number in mind or something like that hey it'd be really cool to win this specific number of bracelets in your career or does it not matter to you
1: um I wouldn't say I have a particular number in mind. I'd say my main, my main like bracelet goal right now is like, I really just want to win one in no limit. Cause like, I, I mean, I did win the heads up no limit one back in 2012, but like, other than that, I haven't won any no limit bracelets. And yeah, I mean, especially like recently I've like been working pretty hard on my no limit tournament game. So that would feel really good to just get one of those. So, I mean, I did, I did play more no limit tournaments this past year than in past years didn't really succeed in any of them. I did actually, I remember I had a stack on like day two of the Millionaire Maker and I made the money, but that's about it. I think okay. I was out was out before the end of day two. But yeah, I'd say that's my main bracelet goal right now, but you know, I mean, I'm gonna keep coming to the series and playing it, so we'll see. Okay, cool, good luck. Um, uh, further question from Antonis
0: three two one two three. What win? And you, this, we got a lot to choose from here. What win, either online or live, stands out to you as the top highlight of your poker career?
1: I mean, I, I would have to pick the, the Victor Blom match if I had to pick. You know, a okay. win that really stands out. But if, if we're going to go for a tournament, though. Um, Hmm. I think I mean ten K stud was cool just because I don't know, there's just a lot of things coming together there. Like it was that summer of 2015. Um I had some brace a lot of bracelet bets that year and that that like won me the bracelet bets. Um I, you know, just I and, and it just it was just kind of a dominating performance too, which I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot of run good involved there, but like I remember I just had like over fifty percent of the chips with like six players left or something like that. It was like really ridiculous. So yeah. that was a that was a fun live tournament win. Cool, I like it. Good answers. So it's, it's fun to have uh, a whole roll of
0: decks uh, of wins to choose from. It's good stuff. Um, our final question asker, Crystals. Thank you very much for sending these couple of questions in. Uh, Brian Crystals wants to know: Of your five WSOP bracelets, which one was the most difficult for you to win? Um. Hmm,
1: most difficult. Um. It's funny because, like, I mean, three three of the bracelets I want are in like extremely small fields. Granted, tough fields, but I mean, hmm. I, I I'll, I'll go with this last one actually, just because it was a really tough like field toward the end. Like, the final table was stacked, The Uh, the 10k study was like john monette eric seidel scott siever um i don't know i mean it was it was just a completely stacked final table so um i felt really good about the fact that i was able to just kind of put it together against that crew and i really felt great about how i played especially since i hadn't played a lot of study like in the year leading up aside from like practicing a bit and like the weeks leading up one thing i would do a lot actually is go on a WSOP.com at night and just play a little bit of like 10, 20, like 08 and study it to like brush up. And that was actually really helpful. So. Right. Okay.
0: I, I just sort of feel obligated. I know we're in the community questions, but I feel obligated to follow up on that specific answer. Um, you know, anyone who follows poker, you know, you hear the names, you know, Scott Seaver, John Monette, Eric oh Wow. That is like a ridiculously tough stat table. I'm just kind of wondering, you know, you're Brian Hastings as well. You know, you're also a big name. We just know names, but you know, I guess without going too deep into strategy and play, but what is it that that makes it tough to play at a table like that, that you we know, don't have so many talented players?
1: I mean, they're just, you know, they're just really good players. They're going to make good decisions. They're going to put me in tough spots. Um, and, it, and, and it, you know, it, it can be easy to like go and get in your head and level yourself a little bit and like kind of have some self-doubt. I would say in this instance, I didn't really have too much of that. Like I felt confident and I felt like, you know, I, like I could hang with those guys, but, but yeah, I mean, it certainly can be a tougher thing. Just even, even mentally on top of just the fact that they're already just going to be in there and making good decisions and just playing really well and making it tough for you. Thank you. Thanks for answering that one. Um, our yeah. final yeah, our final question that we have for
0: you before we wrap it up. Uh, Crystals again wants to know, do you believe Brian that online poker is beatable for a recreational player these days?
1: Um, I guess it depends, like what you're playing, and I mean, you know, recreational player can be a broad definition. It depends on you know if you're putting in any kind of like study work, or you know, if you're just kind of trying to like log on for an hour at the end of your day and like splash around. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess it just depends on what you're playing. I'd say certainly probably sticking to like lower buy-in tournaments would be the, probably the easiest way to beat it. I would, I would guess. Um, maybe, uh, I mean, I haven't been following too much, but those like jackpot style sit and goes, I could see there being like a, those could being beatable too. So. Okay.
0: Good answer. Uh, Guys, thank you so much for sending in your questions for Brian Hastings. And again, just a friendly reminder to all of you out there in the Cards Chat community, we would love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forums. And I will say, we have been seeing some new names uh, submit the questions for recent episodes. So thank you very much, everyone. Uh, Please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you liked the show. Brian, before we let you go, is there anything else? else you'd like to share with our audience
1: um i mean i guess i'll just plug that yeah i am making videos that run at once training and um a lot of other great coaches there i per- i've personally been a member since the beginning and watch a lot of videos when i get the time to do that so yeah Run it once.
0: There you go. Run it once. Brian Hastings, thank you so much again, Brian. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Cards Chat Podcast. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at CardPlayerLife. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.